Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Flypaniacs! Welcome back to Flyperbole. I am your host, Steve Duco, here to talk to you about all the important hockey topics of the day, like really fake-sounding names, and to join me to discuss this name that has just been staggering to me since I learned of its existence is the one and only Kurt R. Kurt, how's it going, man? Um, it's, I, I haven't been able to think about much other than Dyson Mayo, Steve. <laughs> not, not much else. It's just running through my dreams. I... I when I was preparing the forecast the other day, I pulled out all the lines for the Coyotes, and I couldn't believe it when I saw a name that said Dyson Mayo. I, I, I just could not believe it. He played twenty five minutes last night. Twenty five minutes in that game, him and Jacob Chikrin were like far and away their two most frequent defenders. And it's like I had never heard of this guy until this game, and maybe that's on me. I mean. He's playing 25 minutes for the Coyotes. Maybe it's just because they don't have anyone else. Because, oof, that's not a very good team. But, like, maybe he's a good player, and I just didn't know about it because he plays for the Arizona Coyotes. And in my defense, who knows anything about what happens with the Arizona Coyotes? But, yeah, you kept hearing about this guy named Mayo, and it's like, I, I sounds fake. Just sounds fake. At least for my taste, and I know everybody might not agree with this take, but at least for my taste, 25 minutes is entirely too much Mayo. <laughs> 25 minutes worth of mayonnaise the pittsburgh special baby oh pittsburgh loves it if you could just get that some coleslaw and some wonderful heinz products pittsburgh is in heaven over that i guess french fries too you need a french few french fries. fries that'll get soggy after two minutes being mixed up with everything else <laughs> you can't make a pittsburgh without some french fries it's just it's mm. facts mm-hmm I hope the Flyers are, as they as we record tonight, I hope the Flyers are avoiding their Pittsburgh fry sandwiches. Oh my god, that, that's how you get food poisoning. That's no good. Yeah, Dyson Mayo, um, apparently the Coyotes' second best defenseman. Who knew? All due respect to Shane Gossespierre, who, as was pointed out, that I, I didn't quite realize until I, I think it was probably mentioned last night, but I didn't realize until I listened to yesterday's BSH radio earlier today, that Shane Gossespierre is the leading score on the Coyotes with zero goals and five assists. And yep. because the Flyers were fortunate enough to get a shutout last night, that is still true 10 games into their season. Another it shocking could be worse. fact. It could be worse. Another thing that completely shocked me when I was doing the forecast, like I saw Mayo and then I saw Gostaspair leading scorer, all assists. I just, and the thing is Gostaspair is on their third pairing. He's not getting that much ice time. So clearly it's, you know, special teams and I guess just when he's out there he's making it count but man I feel bad for Ghosty but that that Coyotes team is rough and I'm just really glad the Flyers took care of business last night it wasn't a pretty game it was one of the ugliest three to nothing shutouts I've ever seen but I'll take it I mean they still won they still did what they needed to against the Coyotes I forget who tweeted this out this fact out on twitter and credit to them uh, my apologies but that uh, in the coyotes last three games against good teams against washington carolina and philadelphia apparently in all of those games they entered the third period tied zero to zero 
and yet in all three of those games they managed to lose and score only one total goal across the three. So, you know, they're doing they're doing something right. This something just doesn't really happen to be scoring goals in the NHL. So win some, lose some, I guess. What a bizarre bizarre hockey team that is. Like, I really don't know well, I know what to make of them. They suck, but <laughs> It's obviously <laughs> Phil Kessel's fault, right? It's Phil Kessel's fault. He should be better. He needs to lead that team. No, Phil Kessel's not a leader of men. He's just a man. He's got fewer hot dogs. You can't tell Phil Kessel how many hot dogs to have. <laughs> Still can't believe he put him in the Stanley Cup. What a hero. Oh man. Yeah, that's yeah, that that team wasn't very good, and, you know. That was a that was a touch and go game there cuz again, like there were stretches in the first and second period where they didn't look they being the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers didn't look good. That was tough. And then they, you know, scored the goal that was deemed not a goal because the ref meant to blow. They didn't even call intent to blow. They just said, hey, we probably should have blown the whistle there, right? No, that's not a goal. So that was a shame. I get it. And like to to Elaine Vigneault's partial credit, he said after the game, yeah, that probably wasn't a goal. I just didn't really like how they did it. (laughs) Which is, I think, how most of us felt. It's like, yeah, he sort of kicked it out of the goalie's hand. But... You know, blow the whistle next time. You you have one job. You have one job. Watch the game. Watch the game. Blow the whistle when you're supposed to. That's one of the things that drives me, I think, the, the most nuts with refs is when they just wait too long to blow that whistle. And then like, well, we meant to blow the whistle. Meant to doesn't mean you did it. Okay, you didn't do it. That's on you. Th- give me my goal. I demand my goal. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, all's well that ends fine enough and watches, watches out the taste in that Calgary game. Schedule gets tougher from here, so you can't you can't lose a game like that. Yeah, you can't lose a game like that, especially when you've got to play two of your your fiercest division rivals for the rest of the week. I mean, one of them is hurting. Let's let's be honest here. Pittsburgh is not doing great right now, and they they're having a little bit of a COVID bro- breakout, which is certainly concerning. But I don't want to talk too much about you know COVID nineteen. Obviously, we've been talking about it for. Uh, oh, almost two years at this point, but it it is concerning. Hopefully, you know, there, nothing happens between the Flyers and the Penguins transmission-wise when they go out there, but the Penguins are having some difficulties there. But regardless, this is a big game for the Flyers and one that they, especially if, say, Sidney Crosby is out for this game, which, do we have an update on where, where that's at right now? If he tested, if it was reported today that he tested positive, I cannot imagine he's playing in that game tomorrow. So if you're the Flyers, you got to come out like a man on fire. Like you have yeah, to, yeah. And I mean, you, know, you, you got to destroy the Penguins in this game. Fear. I mean, you know, we all live in fear of Pittsburgh's lineup of twelve Mark Donks, but yeah, you got to win that game. Like, and the Flyers, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the perverse upsides of being a team that gets utterly destroyed every time Sidney Crosby plays them is you don't have much of an excuse when he's not in. Like they. You got to win that game. Like, I don't care how many Mark Donks Pittsburgh has. You have to win that game without him out there. And they can. Pittsburgh's done a lot of things well. Sullivan's a really good coach. He coaches the ever-living fuck out of that team when Crosby and Malkin are out. But you got to win that game. I forget if Latang is out too. They, Dumoulin, who's, you know, maybe their second best defenseman, is out too. Like, you got to take it. You got to get this one. Like I, I'd be, I'd be content if they win one of these two against Pittsburgh and Washington, but like the opportunity is right here to win this one. Like you might as well be playing those roided out Jersey Shore Penguins, the the minor <laughs> league Penguins right now. 
you might as well be playing them. This is not the true Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you lose this game to Danton Heinen and his Pittsburgh Penguins squad. Danton Fake Heinen. Person. Like, my God. Dyson Mayo, Danton Heinen. What <laughs> world are we living in? We were trying to, you you had a, an exercise where we were going to try and make a lineup of players named after foods and beverages, but we, we kind of hit a wall at a certain point. Like, yeah, there, there were there were some some people tweeted some at me today. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because there actually are flyers and hockey things to talk about. Let's see some other ones. A lot of them from um, Twitter user I'm Mike Y, uh, Adam Oates, of course, Oates. PJ Stock, or as some know him, PJ Bone Broth. Andreas Nodal, a uh, former Flyers legend. On defense, you know, Paul Coffey is your obvious one. Kale McCarr is good. He doesn't spell his name the same way, but I mean, neither does Paul Coffey. Goalie, Jeff, Jeff Reese. That's a good call out on the goalie. I didn't think of that. And of course, there is Jacques' plant-based alternative to meat. <laughs> and Garth Snowcone. That's the, the obvious one. Gar- oh, I do love a good snowcone. What did I have the other day that tasted like a snow cone but wasn't a snow cone? It was something blue, but I can't remember what it was. Wasn't some it some icy? dessert. It oh, wasn't an it was like some sort of like icy kind of dessert. It's gonna come to me in the middle of this podcast and I'm gonna be like, ah I remember like we're gonna be talking about like Rasmus Line and I'm gonna remember this dessert <laughs> because we are gonna we are gonna be talking about Rasmus Line and don't worry folks. I have an entire section dedicated to Rasmus Ristolainen, <laughs> so just in case the Ristolainen oh, was out there worried that I wasn't gonna talk about their hero, I believe me, it's happening. It's it's probably not gonna please the Ristolainen, but God bless you for your dedication to Rasmus. But th- this Pittsburgh game is one that is a must-win because Washington's going to be tough. You know, it, it, the rest of the month is tough. Washington is really tough. Washington's had a great start. A- Alex Ovechkin is scoring goals like he's still 25 years old. It's it's wild to me how that guy still produces like this. They tend to get out to good starts in seasons, and then, like, once it becomes clear they're going to make the playoffs, they'll, they'll coast through, like, late January through mid-March and then wake up again in April. Like, I feel like this is how most of their good seasons have gone. So, like, in January when they're struggling and we're all like, what's wrong with the Caps? Like, we'll have to remember, oh, right, they do this every year. But, yeah, they're off They're off to a good start. Beating them beating them Saturday will be tough. But, yeah, again, if you can get if you get one of these two, that's, that's probably fine. And things are lining up all right for if you beat Pittsburgh, you can live with a loss in Washington. But hopefully they win both. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's almost like baseball series, right? Where if you win two out of three, that's a very, very good outcome, and you're going to make the playoffs if you win it like that. It's weird that you know talking about baseball. It's weird that like baseball just didn't happen this year, huh? There, there wasn't any baseball. It's in a the sport year that doesn't exist. It's, it's there it, was they, no baseball. The league folded. It's just gone. Certainly a. One would argue the most racist fan base in all of sports did not persevere and have a good time last night. None of that happened. So as far as I'm concerned, baseball folded and uh, I'll cherish my memories of the 2008 Phillies forever. So thanks for the, the memories, guys. It's a shame baseball is done. We do have hockey still where Atlanta does not have a franchise and probably never will again. I'm, I'm sorry, Thrash Bash. The Thrash Bunch, whatever. Uh, I, I I don't have time to come up with a good Thrasher's nickname because guess what? They don't exist. But <laughs> as far as the Flyers go, uh, we're talking about winning series and I would consider the West Coast Canada minus Calgary, which apparently decided to start a game at 8 p.m. their time for reasons beyond me besides just making us stay up late on a Saturday night 
What are you doing, West Calgary? I'm old. I can't do this. The Calgary game certainly didn't go as we would have liked, but the rest of the road trip, I would say, was definitely a success for the Flyers. Where those early season road trips really don't usually work out well for us, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two out of three out west, that's, for the stand, as you said, for the standards that, that, that the Flyers tend to set for that trip, that's fine. Like, it's easy to remember the 1920 season, they, you know, went from Prague to the home opener immediately back out west, and they lost all three of those games. Um, and then, you know, sometimes that west trip is rolled into the, um, sometimes it's rolled into the Disney on Ice trip, which is always a disaster. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, there are a lot of things that tend to go wrong when the Flyers leave, um, when the Flyers head into mountain time zone, or, or the western time zone, God forbid. Yeah, I mean, you know, they played two pretty solid games in Vancouver and Edmonton. You know, that some some rough patches in both of those games, but like against Edmonton, they buckled down after what was like a pretty zany start. You know, a lot of back and forth in the first, you know, period and change of that game. Come back, you know, play what was by all accounts a very good third period and win, you know, win against an Edmonton team that still has not lost to a team other than the Philadelphia Flyers this season as of this recording oh, right wow. now at 927 Eastern time on November 3rd. And then against Vancouver, a rough second period, if I remember right, but Martin Jones, Martin Jones showed up big and the Flyers, you know, held a held a two to one lead for the entire game. And yeah, I mean, again, you know, the Calgary game was a bit of a stinker and the way that it happened where they just looked utterly non-competitive for most of that game, bit of a drag. But if you, if you say you have that game, but you win the other two, obviously you, you say, where do I sign? Like that's, it's a, it's been a pretty solid start, not a, not a spotless one. And we're going to talk about what's gone wrong, what's gone right. But, um, you know, it's been a pretty good start, all things considered. It really has been, and like I didn't think they were going to win that Edmonton game, frankly, because Edmonton was red hot, and they won it in what ended up being a really fun back-and-forth kind of game, which doesn't sound like it would come out the Flyers' way. And then Vancouver, I'm still shocked that Martin Jones was so good in that, and hopefully this is what we get out of Martin Jones for the entirety of the year, because if that's the Mm -hmm. case, playing like he did in that game that is the upgrade they needed at the backup position so we'll see mm-hmm. i'm still skeptical but we'll certainly see well, well we have we have martin jones on the discussion list for later we'll, we'll talk a little more then because i think you're it's basically what you just said but we'll, t- we'll right. talk a little more then we'll talk a little bit more then what is working so far sean couturier is still working he got another goal and an assist in his last game which was his 700th game as a Philadelphia Flyer, which I was talking to my dad just before we started recording, and that's just a stunning thing to think about. The fact that Sean Couturier, who's not even 30 years old yet, has played 700 games with the Flyers. So, yeah, his his next contract hasn't even begun yet. If he plays 82 games in all those years, which, like, he probably won't play 82 games in all those, but that, that'd be what another, like... 82 times 8, there's unfortunately no way to know exactly what that is. We don't have the technology, but that's like 600, 700-ish more games. Like, he could, like, I mean, they're showing all those graphics about how Claude Giroux at some point is going to pass Bobby Clark in a lot of these numbers, and like, but they straight up said on the broadcast last night, and given how early Sean Couturier started and how he's been with the team his whole career, like, he could end up on like towards the top of a lot of those lists if he keeps, you know, if he keeps, if he ages relatively well and stays healthy, which is, 
really something. Really it's stunning. Something. It's stunning for a guy that slipped to the flyers because of mono, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he kissed too many girls, and he was going to be like a top three pick, and he fell to eight. That Sean Couturier is just too much of a stud for those other teams. And, I mean, that was just so fortunate that he fell to the Flyers. And then there was that period of time where everybody was convinced he was just a defensive specialist. That's all Mm -hmm. he would ever be. I mean, period of time. We're talking years. This is what the situation was. And then, like, it's also crazy to think that he's only really been a stud offensively for a few years now. But, my God, once he clicked over in that mode when he went into Sean Couturier God mode as I like to call it chestnut checkers Couturier <laughs> it, it's been, checkers. It, he put, you know everybody else there is playing checkers and you know what that guy he's playing chess man drunk Steve really <laughs> was talking the hell out of Sean Couturier but he really is just one of the best hockey players I've I've seen in Philadelphia at least in a long time and he is just such a pleasure to watch at a live game see him seeing him do his thing things that you don't really notice when it's on a camera like he just does the little things he's just he's the man he's so good and he's leading the team in points so far he's got 11 points four goals seven assists and I mean 700 games he's fantastic we are blessed to have Sean Couturier and he passed up the empty net goal last night to to gent to gentlemanly hand it to Claude Giroux. What a guy! And he didn't have to do that. And he costing the Flyers money on Claude Giroux's next contract. <laughs> I know. God. Looking out for and his they, man's. They asked him why, and he was just kind of like, "Oh, seemed like a thing to do." Like he's just like, "Okay, yeah, cool." Love Cam Atkinson also after the game saying like, "Hey, how about a round of applause for this guy?" Huh? Huh? Cam Atkinson. What oh, I want to talk what about Claude, but Cam Atkinson is just, he is just a light of light, (laughs) a light in my life right now. He is just a ray of light. He is just wonderful. That trade has been exactly what the Flyers needed it to be. And like, it's, and it seems like Jake Vortex working out all right. He's passing to the back of the net. He's loving it. Yeah. Um, For those who, uh, quick plug here, for those who have not listened to the main BSH Radio Cruise interview with Paul Holmgren. Uh, really fun listen. You know, about a half an hour uh, posted last Friday. Uh, if you haven't done that yet, I'd encourage you to. And they talked about it in the main show yet. But the thing that was maybe the most interesting in that, well, depending on your perspective, if you're maybe an older Flyers fan, you may have a different opinion here. But the thing that struck me the most was when he just straight up said, you know, Jake Voracek still a really good hockey player, but we watched last year and thought that maybe he and we both needed a change there. And like the, just the bluntness with which he said that. And he straight up said like, you know, probably needed something new and he might go to Columbus and set up line A for 60 goals. But that doesn't mean that it was a bad decision for either our team or theirs. Like, you know, it was a trade of a good player for a good player. Columbus and Cam, Columbus and Cam, and he said Columbus and Cam probably needed that kind of a, a swap too. And so far it's working out well. Sometimes trades are beneficial to both sides. I mean, it, it, it sounds wrong, right? Because everybody's always looking for the winner of a trade, but sometimes trades are just even. Sometimes trades are great. Trades are zero sum, but sometimes two teams can benefit and it just means everyone else is a little worse off. That's, that's how that works. But yeah, uh, Atkinson, yeah, he's been good. Six goals, one assist, as we discussed. You could argue he should or should not have got another one last night. If, you know, by by the letter of the law, probably not a goal, but also, ref, blow your damn whistle. But no, he's been great <laughs> so far. Um, that line has definitely cooled off a little bit. But all in all, yeah. he's, you know, he's been what he's been what they needed so far. 
Yeah, that line has cooled off, and I, I noticed that looking. I don't look at the nerd numbers too much, all right? But I looked at some of the nerd numbers earlier, and of course he was... Uh, <laughs> it, it ain't great. Ristos. It ain't great. Literally, the, the, the course he was Rasmus Ristolainen, and then the entire fab line below him. <laughs> it wasn't good! But regardless, attitude-wise, Cam Atkinson has been exactly what this team needed, and goal-scoring-wise, he's been a revelation. Like, he's just firing mm. away. He's Mr. Shoot, and I love him. And, I, I, you know, I just love him. I love him so much. He's, yeah, he, he's our he little loves, Cam. He loves shooting that puck. Jacob Voracek was here to pass the puck into the net. Cam Atkinson was here to shoot the puck to his teammates. He is. And I swear to God, he's infected Claude Giroux with that that willingness to shoot because Claude's been firing away. He's got five goals already. Five goals, five assists, ten points. Claude's had a great start. I have loved what I've seen out of it. That dude wants to be on the Canadian Olympic team so bad. And I don't want him to be. I I want almost nothing. Short of the Flyers winning a Stanley Cup, there's almost nothing in hockey that I want more than Claude Giroux to just make the Canadian Olympic team. I will say that the only way I'm rooting for Canada in the Olympics in hockey is if Claude Giroux is on that team. And guess what? I will get a goddamn Claude Giroux Canada jersey. I will be (laughs) flying that maple leaf above my house because I just want him to win something so bad because we have let him down. The Flyers, not we, the fans have always been there for Claude Giroux, but the Flyers organization. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. The good ones. The good ones. The Flyers organization has let Claude Giroux down so badly. This man is one of the greats in Flyers history, and he hasn't won jack shit with this team. So I would just love him to win something. To see him with a gold medal would make me so happy. Well, we know what happens when Steve makes a jersey promise on Fly Purpley. You know what? I stand by this. But to this day, one of my favorite cherished Flyers memories is hanging out with guys in Team Canada... Rod Brindamore and Eric Lindros jerseys at the revenge game against the Detroit Red Wings in 1998 at the mm. uh, Alexander Dig hat trick game. Ooh, fun! It was it was a blast. We started the sha na na na. Hey, hey, hey goodbye, <laughs> chant. The, it was. It's. I think it's a top five Flyers game for me. Easy. It's probably a top three. That's cool. That's so cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, in 2014, when he was a Hart Trophy finalist, he should have got it, but didn't because we had to bring Sidney Crosby's friends. Um, in 2018, when he also should have been a Hart Trophy finalist, uh, they didn't go, but would have clearly been selected if they'd gone. He didn't go, uh, or the NHL didn't go. Um, it's just been, you know, incredibly unfortunate. And if he manages to sneak his way on this year, like, I want almost nothing more than that for, for him, for his sake. Hashtag justice for G. He's been off to a good start. Um, Travis Konechny, you got here seven points in seven games, or seven points in eight games. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Looks better than he did last year. I don't know if he's quite where he was two years ago, but he's, you know, he's looked pretty good. That top line, it's not a coincidence that they're all up here on this list. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What are your What are your impressions of TK? I think the jerk's been back a little bit. You know, the jerk store has been out there. He's been stirring a little bit more shit. Maybe not as much shit, but he's been stirring enough shit. And I, I think he's looked good. I mean, he's getting top minutes and he's he's potted a few goals. I, I It's a much better start than last year. For sure. For sure. You know, it's interesting. So Farabee's up here too. He's got six points, three goals, three assists. But it's interesting because the other week when we looked at this list of the top scorers, it was almost entirely new guys. You know, you saw Cam Atkinson up there, Ryan Ellis, Derek Broussard. It was mostly new names. And then 
it's kind of been, they've been overtaken by the classic, the classic I'm saying at this point, the flyers of the past few years. And I don't know if it's because a lot of those guys have cooled off. I know Ellis it's because he's been hurt, but Mm -hmm. as far as like, I don't know, Broussard, I kind of feel like he's almost fallen back to the mean a little bit. And I'm really excited for Kevin Hayes to get back. So mm-hmm. Broussard can take need that. more third line minutes. I mean, I, I feel really like Broussard the that. first two weeks really was playing above his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we sort of knew that like the dude who was a third line winger on the coyotes last year was probably not going to be a, a functional NHL second line center for a super long term. But the fact that it, he was able to do so at a time where the flyers needed nothing more than a functional NHL second line center, like take the money and run. But yeah, you probably, you probably can't count on that forever. No, he's best friends with Dyson Mayo. What can you expect? <laughs> oh, what a, what a guy. Um, I, it's almost interesting maybe who isn't on here, and that's that whole JVR, Lawton, Lindblom line, because it seems like, like, it's almost like if you just stripped all the numbers off and got rid of all, and didn't check the score sheet after the games and said, like, which of these lines is impressing you the most, you'd probably, I I think maybe, and, you know, maybe just one man's opinion, but you'd say them before you said at least one of these other two lines. They're all over the place, and they're just not ending up on the score sheet. Like, Oscar Lindblom, I think AV has probably said after two or three different games so far, like, yeah, Oscar's doing a lot of things right. It just hasn't shown up on the scoreboard, but it feels like what's going to come for him soon. JVR, we kept saying, like, he's a goal. Like, he's so close. He's so close. And then he finally got his first one in Vancouver, I believe. And, um, yeah, that that line's been doing a lot of things right. And I almost wonder at, at what point you, you, give that, you give that line a bit more of them. Like something closer to second line responsibilities, but um, yeah, they're because they're they're not listed here, but um, but it seems like they're doing things right. They're doing things the way that a coach would want to see hockey played. Couldn't agree more, and I think Oscar Lindblom's looked fantastic. The fact that you know we're talking about their lack of points, but we're not talking about them as defensive liabilities, I think says mm-hmm. a lot about that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing things right. The fourth line is not. Well, the fourth line is really where you're going to see the benefit of Kevin Hayes and Wade Allison coming back. I saw Wade Allison skating a little bit. So if you see those guys come back, that's going to help a ton because that gets rid of the guys you have at the bottom. I'm specifically looking at how NAK has been playing, which has been, you know, I I was really hoping he would bounce back. It's not good. It's not good. And, you know, Madman McEwen over there, I like the spirit, but... Not a particularly great hockey player. I remember on, on one of the BSH radio shows a couple weeks ago, someone said that they told Bill that Zach McEwen looks like Bill and like, no, no. <laughs> I've been saying he looks like the guy from This Is Us. Tall dude with long black hair and a mustache. Like that's, that's where the resemblances are, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's I, the guy I, who died of a crockpot, a fatal crockpot on This Is Us. That's who he is. Oh no. Oh no, again, as I said in the forecast, spoilers for a show I've never watched. <laughs> spoilers, gosh. Gosh. The whole show's about people grieving their father who died in the 70s, so it's not really that much of a spoiler, but who cares? Also, who cares? In oh. Pittsburgh, too. That show's in Pittsburgh, oh, well, right? I I guess so. I think that show's in Pittsburgh. It's all coming together. It's all there coming is together. A, but... Again, there is literally no way for us to know. Well, this time, this time. He's going to be the crockpot when he takes out the Pittsburgh Penguins when he visits on Thursday. hey Be the crockpot. The dangerous <laughs> crockpot. Ah, god Sl- damn it. Very, very, very slowly burning your enemies to a crisp. 
That's not how Madman McEwen plays. He <laughs> he tries to punch in between the visor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't he's been... he got called for a penalty for an illegal fight move. Yeah, <sighs> God, that was 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 that the. That was the Vancouver yeah, no, game. That, was was, that wasn't the fight. Who he played with? Who he played with? Yeah, he was in. He was there. He was there. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, and Luke Shen. Ah, uh, uh, the battle of real should have kept guys there. Yeah, but no, the fourth line hasn't been good. Fourth line hasn't been I good. Love, and um, as everybody knows, I love Luke Shen. He's my favorite player of all time. That kind of mm-hmm. fourth line. That fourth line's not good. I mean, Nate Thompson is Nate Thompson. So, yeah, and I had – not that my hopes for Nate Thompson were high, but I, they were higher than what he's given so far. So, you know. The yeah. the hope is that Nate Thompson at least would somebody who would benefit from having enhanced line mates because Wade Allison comes back, he subs in for one of those guys, and I think he's going to be an instant upgrade, upgrade over one of those guys. And then Kevin Hayes would push somebody down to the fourth line. I don't even. I imagine you probably. Would it be? I imagine you probably slide Brassard. I think Brassard probably goes to the fourth line. You're probably right. If if you have Hayes and Allison back in and everyone else is healthy, um, I imagine you probably drop uh, McEwen and um, hmm. Okay, the fourth line right now is some combination depending on the night of McEwen, Patrick Brown, who's not a real person. Who is Patrick Brown? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, McEwen, Patrick Brown, NAK, and Thompson. I think Thompson is the one that they're least disappointed with out of that group right now. So, like, the other three would all sit if the plan is to get Allison and Hayes in the lineup when everyone else is healthy. So, um, or if when they're healthy and so is everyone else. But, which, like, fine. I think NAK has the highest upside of that group, which is why I'd try to give him a longer leash. But, like, if he ain't it, he ain't it. Well, I didn't even know who Patrick Brown and McEwen were until, like, a month ago. Yeah, well... <laughs> He's got just popped up out of nowhere. As far as what it looks like once Hayes comes back in, I would love to see... I mean, I think Hayes, Farabee, and Atkinson is a great little trio right there. It works. It works. Hopefully it works. And, yeah, I just want I just want people to... I just want them all to get healthy and then no one to ever get hurt. And I think that's a reasonable thing to ask for in a high-contact sport like hockey, you know? Just... Bubble wrap them up. Yeah, why not? But yeah, uh, that's, that's you know, those are the guys so far. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Carter Hart and Martin Jones later on, but they're both um, they're both doing pretty well, which is awesome. But the defense, how about this defense? Yeah, I think this is the biggest, the biggest question mark right now. The, the, maybe the area that is the most worrisome. And mm-hmm. let's start by talking about the guy who hasn't been there for the past week or so, and that would be Ryan Ellis. And, and mm-hmm. Ryan Ellis, for the first few games, looked absolutely fantastic, exactly the player you wanted when Chuck made that trade. And mm-hmm. then he hasn't played, and the Flyers have been really mum on it. They haven't said what has been bothering him. Undisclosed, he keeps being day-to-day. And... It just sucks because I really enjoyed watching him play hockey. He hasn't played a game since the 20th against Boston, uh, October 20th, that is. He had four points in his three games. I mean, the, the guy was killing it, and I, I just want to see him back. But how worried are you about Ryan Ellis at this point? Yeah, so for the first thing I want to say about Ryan Ellis is um, the other day the Flyers tweeted out an image from a fan of a child wearing like a Flyers like a Flyers player costume with like a very ginger beard. 
and I saw the picture, and I'm like, oh, wow, a kid dressed up like Ryan Ellis. And I was like, oh, no, they're Claude Giroux, because that's what, like, that's what the <laughs> caption says. But, like, it says something like, that's the beard now. Like, I, I'll, I'll do respect to Claude Giroux, who, as we've talked about already on this podcast, like, I, I, I love dearly. But, like, the beard is Ryan Ellis's now. It, ju- it just is. It is. It's the best Flyers beard I've seen. I like Jake Voracek had a fun, crazy beard, but like Ryan Ellis's is instantly iconic. It's just a perfect mm-hmm. beard. Yeah. So yeah, the Ellis stuff is unfortunate, and as was brought up, I, I forget which of the beats tweeted this out, but it's it was related to the injury that he had before the season. And like I don't think that's I don't think that's to say they rushed him back because remember Ristolainen was also injured uh, right before the season started and they waited until like they decided he was healthy to bring him back though maybe he's not healthy and that's why he's been sucking it up too maybe I don't know throw well, it out there. I would love for that to be the case Kurt. Uh, uh, boy would absolutely... boy wouldn't that be nice <laughs> oh. but no uh, yeah so he it's something that was aggravated there and he um, yeah he played really well. And then he's missed five games. It was, they had said that if he could practice before they left for Pittsburgh, he'd play. And if he could travel, or he would travel with them and play on this road trip. But he did not practice today, did not make the trip out with them. So he is at least out for the next two games. They have made it sound like he may come back next week. So hopefully that, hopefully that does happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. At the same time, when you got him, you kind of like, that was... That was always the drawback. Like the biggest drawback is he's, you know, on the, what seems like the back half of his career and he can have some problems with injuries. His injuries, as has been pointed out, are mostly kind of freaky, but like if you'd said before the season, Hey, Ryan else is going to give you a really good play. He made us miss like a quarter of the season with various injuries. And it's like, you still probably sign up for that. And what, what you've seen from him on the ice makes you say like, okay, we can live with this for now. Like, and the fact that they have stayed afloat it, it so far without him like is clutch and i mean if you if you're without him for just arbitrarily pick a number like another 3 games you've got pittsburgh big admittedly big games against pittsburgh and washington though of course pittsburgh is um as we discussed without some of their good players so like maybe you can swing a win without without him against them um and then yeah you've got then you've got the Capitals Saturday, the Red or not, why did I say Red Wings? Uh, Maple Leafs on Wednesday of next week. The and, opposite of the Red Wings, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw a red logo on the screen and was like, Red Wings, cool. Uh, the Hurricanes logo, that was the one I saw. Jesus Christ. And they have the Hurricanes next Friday. So, like, if he rests for another week, he misses two, maybe three games. I'm like, hopefully that's all it is. And, but again, if you, if you had told me like, he's going to miss a fifth to a quarter of the season just with nagging injuries, but he plays like he has so far, it's like, okay, I'll take that. I don't, I don't love it, but the, the, this part of the schedule is spaced out enough that hopefully the impact of like actual important games that he misses is like negligible. Yeah. And again, he's been fun. He's been so fun to watch when he's out there. He is such a smooth skater. He's so confident. He has a great shot. He has everything is advertised when he's playing. And mm-hmm. I just want to see more of it. That's my only problem. I just want to see more. Give me more, Ryan Ellis. The I make that trade every time. There's no doubt in my mind, even if Phil Myers at his best and Nolan Patrick is a quarter of what he was supposed to be. I make that trade because it's so necessary for the Flyers. But even I especially make it considering how everything's played out since then, because Phil Myers has been getting regularly scratched by the Predators, and 
Nolan Patrick, I think he's already dealing with some injuries out in Vegas. Yeah, he's, and, he's hurting. Yeah, and he wasn't playing that much to start with. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much about guys who aren't here right now. I yeah. don't feel like it, but it, that trade is such a no-brainer slam dunk. And even Absolutely. with these injury issues. No, no question. Not you know, a no question. question. No. Mm-hmm. Now, the questionable one. The questionable one is, of course, the most divisive flyer in years, frankly, and that's Rasmus Ristolainen. I-, I can't remember a guy who divided the fan base like this, but my God, he has not been good. He really has not been. I-, I can't even see how you can look with your eyes and do an eye test and say he's been good. I, I can't see how you can say that. Like every other game, he throws a big hit, and that's like that's it i i don't i want to say something more insightful but it's just it's not been good like the idea that he's been boxing out in front to prevent like net front opportunities by the other team just isn't just not the case that's driving me nuts that's the one thing that's really been driving me nuts is the fact that he's not boxing guys out he's not clearing the crease that's literally the only thing like if he had to do one thing that would make me feel okay with him it would be clearing the crease. The one that's still driving me nuts is Brad Marchand. The Marchand, Brad yep. Marchand. That Marchand goal his first game. Yep. Probably a quarter the size of Rasmus Ristolainen. And yep. he should be just shoving him out of the way. He should be knocking him into the third row. He should be knocking him in the mez, right? Cross-check Marchand, in the face. You, like, should have to... Yeah. Knock out Come a few on. teeth. Correct his nose. You know, like, that guy should be knocked into the press box, into the flyer-shaped pretzels, upsetting Sam and Slam and Sammy's nap. You know, like, come on, what are you doing? And he's not even doing that. Come on, Risto. I want to like you. All you have to do is smack some guys when they're in the crease. He has, though, taken a lot of penalties so far, if I remember oh, correctly. God, he's taken so many bad penalties. It's just it's like bonehead moves by him. It's just a lot yeah. of boneheaded stuff. Just the hockey sense is terrible. Yeah, and like he and Sandheim, I don't want to let Travis Sandheim off the hook because he's also been bad. Um, yeah, I love Sandheim, is, but he's been that rough. pairing's not even been close to functional, and I wonder how long they can let that. Happen. Like Chuck Fletcher and the coaches are clearly going to give Ristolainen a leash. Like given how much they liked him before they traded for him, what they did trade for him, what they've got invested in him at least in the short term here, like they are going to give him a pretty long leash. But I wonder at what point you mix those pairings up, and I'm not sure how you do it. But like he, he's he's just not had it so far. Like you could you could say maybe he's just trying to get used to you know the new new team, new system, things of that nature. But it just hasn't been good, and they they've got to figure out an answer there because like the first pair has been largely solid. Uh, well, I, I have Ivan Provorov on the list later, but um, and the third pair has been fine enough. But it's that that second pair has just been a black hole. And the problem is, you would ideally want to put Ristolainen with your more responsible defender of, on the left side, right? But Keith Yandel ain't that. Keith Yandel Keith is Yandel here to score some points. That's just not his thing. So it'd be Ivan Provorov, but that would mean you're either demoting Provorov to the second pairing or you're pro- and promoting Sanheim to the top, which, again, Sanheim has not been good, or you're promoting that. Rasmus Ristolainen to the first pairing that sounds bad. Can't promote, can't reward that either. And like style wise, 
the guy that I kind of want to see him with is Braun, but then you've got two righties on the same pair, which is not, like, unforgivable, but it sort of defeats the whole purpose of getting all those righties, you know? The whole purpose of getting three right, or, you know, yeah, three righties in the past few yeah. years is to have, you know, lefties on the left, Bounce. righties on the right. Yeah. It's, it's, not a, it's not a question with an easy answer, but, you know, it... But they have to do something, because this pairing... I feel like the easy answer was to not give up a one and a two for a guy who has not been good in eight years of playing hockey, but, I mean... Oh, my God. When, when Thomas came into the slack and, and haunted <laughs> us by saying, well, Minnesota would have accepted that package easily for Matt Dumba. For Matt like, Dumba? Oh, what a jerk. What a jerk. What a freaking jerk. Damn you, jerk. Thomas. God. Oh, that Go root for annoying. the devils. Oh, don't, you know, it's it, Tom is just the, the troll of the B, BSH slack right now. And <laughs> I'm not here for it. I don't appreciate it, Tom. I, I just spending that much for him and for him to not even do the basic stuff you want. And like one of the things that drove me nuts the other day was actually it was just yesterday. So Danny Briere was on the pregame show and mostly said some very good things. I, I really like Danny Briere. I think he's a great media presence and he's a smart guy. But the one thing that he said that just drove me loony, made no sense to me, was he was saying that Ristolain and size makes the team look bigger. And that's a factor. What? <laughs> I mean... Are people like, oh, they look bigger. Oh, I'm shaking in my butt. Like, they're skating circles around this guy. Danny Briere would have eaten this guy up for... I was about to say, dinner. like, was Danny Briere really afraid of tall guys who weren't actually like good at defense like I, I'm, I'm I'm literally everybody in the league was taller than Danny Briere I'm kind of joking but I'm also serious like if Danny Briere saw a big dude who wasn't actually good at the act of playing NHL defense and wasn't like a great mover and didn't really know what he was doing in coverage like he sneaks around that guy and, and you know gets a shot on goal like it, right he knows this right he knows this right Rasmus Ristolainen is not a bouncer at a bar. He's not going to discourage you from causing ruckus just because he's big and standing in a black t-shirt by the front door. (laughs) He's a defender that smart players will take advantage of, and they have been. Just because he's got a black eye, and it's like an iconic picture of the early season, doesn't mean he's actually tough. The black eye's from a puck, for fuck's sake. It's from a puck. He's, he's, look, I saw too many people criticize Ian LaPerriere for his work on the penalty kill over the last seven years to sit here and pretend that we have to respect Rasmus Ristolainen just because he took a puck to the face. Which, to be clear, like, I hope he's okay. And, you know, on its own, badass picture. I hope he's okay. I hope, like, you know, that didn't look good when it first happened. And, you know, a lot of blood. Didn't like that. Hope he's okay. But, like, come on, guys. We got to be able to see through that. We got to be able to see. If If we want, like, a badass image from the first eight games of the season. Give us Nick Sealer like screaming up at the crowd after he admittedly took a few fists to the face and whatever fight that was against Seattle. But like, give us that moment instead. Like that's, that's the one that's the, that's the lasting moment from, from the first part of the season here. Are you not entertained? That was an that iconic was, picture. It was, that was so fun. good. Sealer taking on Jamie Alexiak, literally the biggest guy in the league, as ESPN has said 40,000 times at this point. Poor Jamie Alexiak. But 
like Sealer has done the Risto roll better than Risto to this point. And so funny. Let's look at some of the numbers real quick. So zero points in six games played. Although he did have a couple opportunities where he almost scored against. Ha- he got close last night. He got close once last night. If he got to that puck before a defenseman did on the re, he collected his own rebound, almost snuck it behind Vimelka. But um, yeah, that was the closest he'd got. That was I think one he of almost his had a, games, but he, he had a puck he fired towards the front that almost got deflected into. So mm-hmm. he did have a couple opportunities, but. It's still zero points so far, and it's not exactly. And like he is starting to get time on that second power play, so it should be noted. I would exp- I would hope for something by now. And the thing is, his ice time is going up right now, even though he doesn't appear to be playing better in any way. So he's got twenty one plus minutes per game in the last three games. He's fifth on the team for non goaltenders and average time on ice. He's averaging twenty oh five a game. This is a guy they're relying on, and they're starting to increasingly rely on. My thing is ultimately, okay, I do not want Rasmus Ristolainen to be bad. If anything, I want him to be good. I want Chuck Fletcher to be right. I want to know what Chuck Fletcher was looking at when he spent what he spent to trade for him. I want this guy to be the next pronger, right? I want him I, to be, I would be a badass who just wrecks people and he just don't come into my end because you're going to pay for it. I want him to I would be, be that, totally but he's fine not that. getting owned. Because Rasmus Ristolainen is actually like a competent defenseman for the Flyers, but we're not there. Like we're not even in the same stratosphere of there. A lot of time left. Who knows? Weird things could happen, but it's not good so far. It's just not. It's it's just flat and they and they have and, to be able ugh. to recognize that. Like at some point, like you can't be blinded by the cost you paid for the guy. And I mean, again, Chuck Fletcher said he's wanted this guy for three years, so he clearly sees something that I don't, and is going to give him a longer leash than I would. But at some point, like, again, the Flyers are 5-2-1 and one despite this. So, and they're, what, 4-2 and two in the games Risto's played. So, like, clearly it has not sunk them as a team yet. But at some point, like, you're going to have to be able to see through that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've got some good teams coming up. They're going to be able to take advantage if, they keep, if that pair keeps playing like this. I just can't take getting dunked, being dunked on by Sabres fans. Like, that is just, that's outrageous to me. That Sabres fans are dunking on Flyers fans right now. I think we got Robert Haig on the agenda a little bit later, so we'll, I, 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 almost, I almost made a comment on that. But, well, um, the Sabres are starting to cool off because they're not good. Um, and we're still waiting to, and as we, on the evening we record this, there's been talk on Twitter that Jack Eichel's, like, about to get traded. But it has not happened as of now. I do have an update on that right now. Oh, uh, Andy wow. Strickland just tweeted out, can squash the Matthew Kachuk to Buffalo talk. So I guess Matthew Kachuk is off the table. So uh, for people that are not aware uh, right now, the latest on Jack Eichel is that the the finalists in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes are the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. And the big report earlier from Kevin Weeks was that Matthew Kachuk was on the table as a piece to go back to Buffalo. But now Andy Strickland is saying that ain't happening, which, yikes, that's uh, maybe the Flames are off the table. But again, I have to say, uh, Jim Jackson and uh, Jonesy were talking about this during the Flyers-Flames game. It it, kind of seemed like a weird move for Calgary considering their early season success to make a drastic move like that. Yeah, I mean, they, they've their season's gone so far better than I'd have expected. And, like, there's some talk that, like, maybe it makes sense to do this with Kachuk because he's a UFA in a couple of years and Calgary doesn't think they're going to be able to keep him. 
and um, you know you can only have so much money around because they're trying to re-sign John Hockey as well, which they're obviously not going to because he's going to go to Philadelphia. Of course. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot they're trying to um, a lot they're trying to take into account there. But I mean, that team that team sort of needs to get off the pot. Like they're in a similar situation to what the Flyers were in, like entering last off season. I mean, they got Blake Coleman, who's a good player, but otherwise they sort of just stood pat. And maybe with the hot start they've gotten out to, like Jacob Markstrom's playing well, that top line has been really good. Like maybe now they're like, okay. If we add this guy, maybe we really got something cooking here. So, like, I, I get why they're back in on it. And, like, Vegas is the other team that sounds like has been in on it. How wild is it that Vegas is in on, like, literally everybody? Everyone. What do they have left to trade? Like, they don't have cap space. Like, when they signed Alex Petrangelo, they had to get rid of two good players just to sign Alex Petrangelo. Like, how do they keep doing this? They traded a Vesna winning goalie. For nothing. For nothing. <laughs> and now Chicago is making that Vesna winning goalie want to retire. <laughs> they already made him want to retire. And then he was I like, know, okay, and now I, think I guess I really can try thinking. it. And then he's like, I've made mistakes. And not, not only like has that team been atrocious, but also all the news about that team. If Flurry retired overnight, it would not mm. surprise me. Yeah. Can you just strike my name from the records of ever even having played for the Chicago Chicago hockey organization? Well, we're talking about Jack Eichel, um, I do want to say it's funny that the Rangers are, like, basically out on this conversation now, because their offseason last year, like, la- this past summer, like, only made sense if they were going to get Jack Eichel, and then, of course, they didn't, and all these prospects that they hung on to and were deemed untouchable in the name of a Jack Eichel trade, like, have not gotten out to good starts this year, like, Capo Caco's been ice cold to start, uh, Alexis, Alexis Lafreniere is probably going to be fine, but he has not like jumped off the map in his second year. Vitaly Kravtsov went back to Russia today. Um, like they, they were going to go all in on this past off season. And then they went and got Barkley Goudreau and they're, you know, they're off to a decent start, but that's pretty much entirely because Igor Chesterkin has been really good and that's a pain that's the drawback here but like that team with eichel would be really terrifying and instead they're just like they're just like there they're just there so thank you for that and they were clearly preparing to trade for jack eichel and they just you know they blew it it's shame what a shame that's a shame so the next thing that i think we had on here and you said that these were some prompts that Eamon actually introduced last week uh, you've got a section here called Overreaction or Reasonable, where I believe we're going to talk about some idea, some possibilities based on what we've seen so far for the Flyers this year. Yes, this is what we were going to talk about before Eamon's fire alarm went off and was saying, attention, attention. <laughs> so we ended up having... It was a weird fire alarm. It was a very weird fire alarm, but I, you know, so we ended up just having the ultra serious port, but I'm, I'm glad we gave that, that topic room to yeah. breathe. So we got to have the the ultra serious podcast last week, the the uh, the Chris Gaines podcast too. This week's Garth Brooks podcast, if you will. <laughs> yeah, very serious. Black hair hanging down over the face. Like I take things seriously. No, let's. Mm. So Eamon came up with a, a couple topics that I wanted to make sure we talked about because they, you know they're still mostly relevant. So overreaction or reasonable. So we want to know if the following points are overreactions or reasonable assessments. Mm-hmm. The first one here is one that I think seemed really possible last week, and I think is still on the table, but, you know, it's a, maybe 
it might be shooting from the moon a little bit. That is Cam Atkinson, our dear boy Cam, will score 40 goals this season. Let's. What if we dropped it to like? What if we dropped it to thirty and then had this conversation again? Because I think since last week he's had what one, but or, you know, let's go with forty. You know, dream, dream big, babies. Um, so he again. Has I think thirty goals. to thirty-five is very yeah, reasonable. That, yeah. Well, let, let's start. Let's let's set that as our benchmark here. So he has six goals in eight games. Um, if he were to do that, hold that pace for the rest of the season, he would have, let's see, six over eight times 82. That's a cool 61 and a half goals. He would get exactly a half of a goal at one point. It'd be interesting to see how he does that. Um, he's not going to do that. He is currently shooting 24% for the season, which is about, about double his career average, which is, which was like 11 point something when I looked the other day or when I looked earlier today. So like. And if you so if you cut his shooting percentage roughly in half, he'd be on pace for like thirty. And uh, to put it another way, evolving hockey through eight games has him as having produced two point four two individual expected goals. So like if you were essentially what that means for those who don't know is if you were to add up like the like if you were to take every shot that Cam Atkinson took on the ice this year based on like where it was taken, like the kind of shot, whether it was a rebound, things like that, um, you would expect him to have around two point like somewhere between two and three goals he has six so clearly he's probably not going to keep this pace up if he were to go at about that pace through the whole season he'd end up with about 25 goals um now obviously he's got a head start so you know the guess is he may you know even if he performs at expectation the rest of the year he may end up closer to 30 which would be good like if you if you told the flyers when they made that trade cam axon's gonna get you 30 goals you sign up for that every day of the week now granted he will also hopefully chip in some assists. I think he just has one. He's been very selfish, and I, for one, am totally down with that. Just need someone to shoot the puck. Um, but shoot. But yeah, he's he's been yeah he's he's probably going to end up if if he keeps playing at this current pace, he may end up somewhere around thirty. He also it is also interesting that I noticed this when I was looking at those numbers. He's playing around sixteen minutes a night. Um, and each of the last six years, he's played like at least 17 minutes a night. A lot of those years, upwards of 18. Now, granted, then he was like a top line player on those Columbus teams here. He's like a second line player on this Flyers team. So he's, you know, asked to do a little bit less. And, you know, if he puts up those kinds of numbers in 16 minutes a night, that would be remarkable. But, um... No, even so, the pace he's on right now is a good one, even though it is inevitable that he will cool down and to a, to a degree, or to a degree, arguably has to an extent. But yeah, I mean, 40 is probably not going to happen. If, if you were to say 30, uh, you know, yeah, let's say he gets there. Why not? Let's say he gets to 30. I think but, he's oh, 40 is probably, all these, 40 is an overreaction, but All these crazy <laughs> random goals are 100% going to continue where he's falling into the net and happens to shoot it over the goalie's shoulder. Like... Very Hartnell-esque goals coming out of Cam Atkinson right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, he's been fun. Don't don't get it twisted. He's been lots of fun, and he, you know, I want th- I want that guy around. Listen, this is a podcast that talks about corn a lot, so we're extremely twisted. We're f- twisted. All right. So the, so the so the next one, I will I will ask you, Steve. Carter Hart is fixed, overreaction or reasonable. I think it's reasonable, actually. I, I really like what I've seen out of Hart so far. I know we were a little concerned after the first game because he did have some clunkers in that one, and there was definitely some miscommunication. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're, we're still like a month in. We're not exactly like 
this isn't exactly like 100% all is fine, but I feel good about him so far. I really think last year was such an extraordinary circumstance. Everybody felt like shit. And he's a young guy. I really just feel like everything with COVID just affected him really badly. And he was lost and he had a shit year. And I feel like he started really well. He looks confident again. He looks like he's getting more confident. I think the thing is, Carter Hart came in with all those expectations about being cool, calm, and collected. He's Mr. Cool. Like, he he keeps a level head. And then he had a season where he did quite the opposite, where he just had... He looked completely lost. He just lost his way, and he didn't look that way. It looks like he's kind of sorted out what was going on, and I really hope that's the case. So I think it's reasonable to say he's fixed. Yeah. It's it's noteworthy that this is like the first time where he started a season with the Flyers and actually started it well. If you want some more quick numbers, his uh, goal saved above expectation, again, according to Evolving Hockey, which is sort of the same number we just talked about, which says if you look at all the goal, all the shots that a goalie has faced and tally up the expected goals for the other team and compare them to the actual goals that the goalie has allowed, he is 4.65 goals above expectation, which is the seventh best among NHL starting goalies in the league entering Wednesday. So, like, so far, so good. And, like, that second period against Vancouver in the opener, like, the fact that that was the second period of hockey we watched all year, and it was a combination of one or two bad goals in there and also some bad luck, like every, like four different goals that were all like upsetting in their own way. And like the Carter Hart from like March of last year, if that happens, like he maybe gives up a seven spot in that game. But like <laughs> when he, he made some good saves in the third period, he, he, you know, stopped Elias Pettersson in overtime on a breakaway in overtime of that game. And like, that was so encouraging to see. And basically ever since then, he's been fine. Like, he's been fine at worst and, like, outright great at best. Like, he's had a couple, like, really good games. Like, yesterday against the Coyotes, you know, got a shutout, of course. Um, even in his lo- even in the losses, it's been like, okay, you were fine. The other guys did better. Um, but, like, he's been good. He's, he's, he, it's about as good a start as you could have asked for. And, like, the models that were relatively down on the Flyers this year that, you know, were working, they were that way because relatively. they mostly ass- – they had him. They had him in dead last in the league. Yeah, yeah, Micah, Micah, buddy. Uh, yeah. Well, those those models mostly did that because they saw what Carter Hart did last year and said, "Yeah, this dude sucks." And the Flyers, you know, made the bet that no, he doesn't. And I do not want to have the hubris, like as a Philadelphia Flyers fan who is, you know, had the football pulled out here before. I certainly do not have the hubris to say, "Oh, he's totally fixed." But like. It's the start you needed to see here. Like, it absolutely is. Like, it's not It's not perfect, but it's the start you needed to see. And the idea that this is a broken man who's never going to get it back, like, I feel like we're reasonably close to having slayed that. So that's great. That's the biggest difference from last year yep. to this year. Like, last year, that team makes the playoffs if Carter Hart isn't a broken man and Brian Elliott isn't old by goalie terms. Mm-hmm. Because Brian yep, Elliott yep, just yep. couldn't carry the load at that point. He just was not yeah, built like, for that. He's a guy who should be playing once a week, which is basically what he's doing in Tampa now. And when he, the Flyers start playing... ideal situation now. Yep, yep. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Carter Hart, this is exactly what you want to see from him to start the season. Keep it up. We believe in you, Carter Hart. We love you. Hell yeah. Next, hell yeah. Next point up. Nick Sealer is a quality bottom pair NHL defender. 
So I would say that's a slight overreaction. I think Nick Saylor is a fine fill-in guy. I think he's a good seven. So I'm actually going to go the other way on this one. Oh, wow. I, I don't I don't say this with like a ton of conviction, but... Number one Nick Saylor fan, it is Kurt noteworthy. Like He's played well. Like, straight up, he's played well. Like, he's second in the team in defensemen in, you know, expected goals forward five on five. He's one of two above 50%, behind only Ivan Provorov. In the last time he played, and really the only time he spent a full season in the NHL, uh, in 2018-19 in Minnesota, which was, you know, where... Uh, I don't remember. No, that was the year after Fletcher got fired from Minnesota. But Fletcher brought him to that team, which is pre- you know presumably is why he's a Flyer now. But in that season, he he was totally solid. Like he had an ex- expected goals of around forty nine percent in that season, which like for a bottom pair defenseman, yeah, that's fine. And the year before that, his numbers were also good. Like he isn't making many glaring mistakes in there. Like he has his faults, sure. Like last night, there were some moments on the ice, like defensively, where he and Yandel like did not look good. But um, <laughs> but like for a third pair defenseman, you kind of expect that. And so far, like I-, I like what I've seen of the guy. Like he's he has not looked like a liability. And again, I-, I I said this in Slack yesterday, tweeted it yesterday after the game, and we've already sort of discussed it. But it is remarkable that Nick Sealer has basically done the things <coughs> that Rasmus Ristolainen was brought here to do. And Rasmus Ristolainen has played at the level that you would expect Nick Sealer, uh, like and someone expected to be like a quad A NHL defenseman to do. But, um, you know, there was no way that that could happen. All right. You convinced me. The Navy sailors are going to be out in force. They are here <laughs> Jesus. For, for Nick sailor. Unlike, and you know, to be clear, if like Cam York starts tearing it up in Lehigh Valley and the flyers, like we need to call him up and is like, who do we send down? Oh, Nick sailor. Yeah. Bye. Like, fine. And let, uh, he is not at, he is not at the level yet for me where I would complain if he got sent back down. But so far, you could do way worse, and the Flyers have done way worse so far this year than what Nick Sealers brought them. So, and also, you know, as mentioned, the moment where he screamed to the crowd after getting face punched, like, that was cool. Like, if the Flyers make the playoffs, that moment will absolutely be in their hype video, as it should oh, be. That's in all the hype videos already. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What a what a great moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so next one. Um, so yeah, Nick Sealer is Rasmus Ristolainen, but better. Many people are saying this. Um, next one. Um, and again, this one this one has, you know, cooled down a little bit since last week. But uh, Derek Broussard will be enough until Kevin Hayes gets back. I, oh, I think that's one. perfect. That's perfectly reasonable. I, I think he's been enough. I think that team, that line struggled a bit lately, but it's enough. They're winning games. They are managing... Uh, I would prefer if the Flyers had a Beckett, a better backup option for Kevin Hayes at center than Broussard and Lawton, but it's enough. It's getting by. On aggregate, it will probably end up having been enough. I think like he started out better, as we talked about a little bit, he started out better than we had any reasonable, like any, he started out better than we had like a reasonable expectation for. And lately he hasn't been quite as good. Like, I don't think he was great on the Canada road trip, but like you've already mostly gotten out of him, like what you could expect. And like, if, if it averages out to like solid third line center play again, you signed the guy in August for, was it, it may have been September. I don't remember. Time isn't real. It was very last minute. It was, yeah. To like a one year, barely above the minimum deal. And he's already he's, earned his paycheck you know, and more. He's Yeah. 
oh yeah, he's he's stayed afloat. Um, I don't think I expected six points out of him all year. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if he gets kicked down to the fourth line and everyone's healthy, like, cool. That's that's totally fine. But as a, for what he's done so far, like, totally, it's acceptable. Next up on the, the docket here, we have Travis Konechny has returned to something approaching 2019-20 regular season form. Now, it's the use of something in this phrase that's going to make me say that's reasonable, because I, I don't think he's quite back to 2019-20 regular season form, but he's definitely approaching it. I think he's playing better hockey than he was at any point last season. Yeah, he's not there yet, and like he was, I think, more of a complete player that year than he was in... Um, in uh, than he has been so far this year, though I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe that's partly because um, I I feel like sh- he's you know been stapled to the hip of Sean, to, with to Sean Couturier for a lot of that time, and I feel like Kuch has been a little bit worse this year than he was that year. That was a selkie year, but um, Konechny, no, he's looked good offensively. He's been you know he's been stirring things up. Um, again, maybe not quite to where he was two years ago, but definitely better than I think he was last year. Um, the numbers are mostly there. Uh, what was it? He had, we had it up here earlier. Uh, yeah, seven points in eight games. Like you're not going to complain about that. Um, like they've, they've been good ones. Um, yeah, I, I, getting hit, making sure he's right is important here. Um, because he helped, you know, he's, he's sort of the spark plug on that top line. Like the other two guys are, you know, they're going to be awesome, but like he can really push that that unit over the top if if the other two guys are working there which they usually are um old spark is very important to the top line yeah yeah i i think don't you know don't fact check or i'll, I'll fact check myself on this i think he might be leaving the team in individual expected goals which would be cool um i'll check that now but yeah it's it's been pretty good for tk again like not i don't think he's quite at his peak but like it's been pretty good for him well the pittsburgh game's coming up and if he it does something to piss off Mark Friedman. I'm going to say he's back. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I forgot. Without about Nolan that. Patrick How did here. I forget about that. I don't know who's going to take down Pleasantville's Mark Friedman, Pleasantville PA, where the fuck he's living now. I hate Mark Friedman, but what? <laughs> cranberry, you know, the, the cranberry. You know, that's it. Oh, shucks. It cranberry. So, I can't, I can't imagine why Mark Friedman brought up his suburb of Pittsburgh and compared it to Philadelphia. There's no, I, I can't possibly think about why, why One of do the that. Weirdest things I've, there's I've no, no done. possible explanation. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Listen, Travis Konechny, with, without knowing Patrick here, somebody's got to take up the torch and yeah. punch Mark I mean, Freeman in the face. Ghost got, Ghost got suspended for boarding him. Nolan Patrick, you know, punched him like, yeah, who's going to do it now? It's the only thing Nolan Patrick did all year. It was the best was thing he did last Mark season with, without question. Um, yes, by the way, Travis Konechny is currently leading the Flyers in individual expected goals. 3.13 followed by Sean Couturier, Claude Drew, Cam Atkinson, and James Van Riemsdyk. Oh, wow. Next up on the docket. Just going to throw it back to the main news desk there. Um, yeah. Back to the main Next news desk. Next up on the docket, Keith Yandel is a team MVP candidate. Overreaction. Overreaction. It has been deemed. He's certainly not going to be if the Flyers take him off the top power play. Oh, my God. It, what a bad move there. But he, I will say he is the front runner for Yannick Dupree Class Guy Award right now. It's between him yeah. and Cam Atkinson. He's so, he's a funny. He's He is really funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's pretty much been as advertised. Like, you're starting to notice the defensive screw-ups a little bit more because they're going into the net a little bit more than they were in those first few games. And as if he's not on that top power play, it's a, like you're going to notice him less, but like I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, 
it would certainly lessen his case to be team MVP, but I've liked what I've seen out of Keith Yandel. Um, so- things just move faster when he's on the ice. That as particularly on the power play, things just move faster than they did last year. Life comes at you fast when you're Keith Yandel. Sonk. Sonk. The power play is good in a way that will continue to work. Well, we've already... <laughs> Re- <laughs> rewind, rewind, rewind. Well, not if you nope. take Keith Yandel off the top unit, it won't. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Next one. Ivan Provorov, Ellis or not, is back on his good side. I'm going to say that's reasonable. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen... I wouldn't say Provy's been spectacular by any means, but I, I think he's been he's been good. He's been better. He's been better than he was last year, even without Ellis. I think. Like I think one of those I forget which one. Obviously not Calgary, but one of those game, one of those last couple, one of those two games last week. I remember thinking like, "Wow, Ivan's playing a really good game." Yeah, because you know it's tough because you get the guy for him. They work well together clearly, and then he, you know, the guy gets injured. And Provorov's, you know, got to put on the gauntlet and do it himself. And, um, and yeah, I mean, he seems calmer. Like, it seems like he's making better decisions than he did last year. Um, and maybe, maybe it's, maybe he, like the Flyers, is an on-year, off-year kind of guy. Um, but, like, this is, I mean, this is the thing, though. This has been the thing basically since he was with the team. Like, for how, like, other than the goalie, which doesn't count, because this is true of every goalie on every team, like, Ivan Provorov is maybe the single guy on the team for whom, as he goes, the Flyers tend to, and, like, that makes sense because he plays half the fucking game every night. He, um, but, like, in the years where he does well, the Flyers do well, and in the years where he doesn't, they don't. Like, it's yeah. just how this goes. And, and you know, it's, it's in that vein, so far, I'd say Ivan Provorov's been pretty good. And you look at the Flyers' record, it's pretty good. So making sure that he is rolling again, because he is, you know, one of the most important players, he plays half the game. He plays in every situation, whether he should or not. Um, like if he keeping him rolling is going to be a pretty good, like the, that test is, you know, a pretty good barometer for where the team is at any given time. But I've liked what I've seen of him so far. Certainly more than I did last year. Um, it's a long season. We'll, we'll see what he does. So far. So good from Mr. Provorov. Final overreaction of reasonable comes down to Martin Jones. Martin Jones has solved the backup goaltender position. Somewhat reasonable. He's had two games. They both happen to be on Bones Days, so he was powered by that old pug. And Jones Day, baby. You know, and we got to see him on a non-Bones Day before we can really <laughs> evaluate Martin Jones. It's a real, it's a real test. Um, but yeah, I mean, my stance on Martin Jones is if he ends the season with a save percentage that begins with a nine, then he's done his job. Like, and he's, and he's already got a head start. Like I, I was worried that he'd just suck. And, um, and I mean, so far through two games, he's been great. I mean, again, like I said with Carter, I don't have the hubris to claim like, oh, this is, this is fixed. You know, the last 90% of the season is going to look exactly like the first 10% did, but um, he's been, you know, he's been very good. That Vancouver game, like he was, all, he was their best player in that game, straight up. Um, and if he can just be a, he doesn't need to do this every game, nor should we expect him to. He just needs to be not so bad that the Flyers don't think they have to lean on Carter Hart for like eight games in a row. And the the likelihood of that happening seems higher than it did like even two weeks ago when the season started, which is yeah. progress. And I agree that the 
any save percentage starting with a nine is really the key for him. I feel like that's the case for both goalies. Like the question is, will the Flyers make the playoffs? And the answer is only if the goaltenders both have save percentages that start with a nine. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty hard to win without that. Pretty hard to win anything without that. That's what we saw last year. That was what last year all came down to. The worst team save percentage in 20 years. And they still finished like 19th in the NHL. And they still finished 19th in the NHL when they had the worst team save percentage in 20 years. And there are people saying they're going to be the worst team in hockey this year. I just, I, I just, it's, it's wild. Sorry. Sorry. No. <sighs> okay. Um, oh, oh, oh. <sighs> I see something else that we have to get to here now. Yes, Eamon also left one other goodie for us, and that was uh, not the longest taking it to the beats we've ever had, but just a little bit, just a little taste of taking it to the beats, taking it to the beats. Slam and Sammy left us a little gift, a little gem. We got a review here. The tweet, Robert Haig, a salt of the earth guy who was underappreciated with the Flyers, had a goal, an assist, a plus three rating and three block shots as the Buffalo Sabres whipped Tampa Bay five to one tonight. Buffalo, which got Haig and first and second round picks for Risto, is four one and one. Oh, Sammy. <sighs> I'm not going to talk about Robert Haig. Not going to talk about Robert Haig. Not going to talk about Robert Haig. Now that I've said his name three times, I don't know if he's going to show up behind me. But He actually um, just appeared and tapped me on the shoulder fuck. and that counts as a hit. <laughs> I mean, good for if if Buffalo fans appreciate Robert Haig, good for him. Like, good for them, good for him. They've got out. This is not the first time they've got out to a good start to a season, and it's probably not going to be the last time. And those other times, they the wheels came off real fast, and I don't think that I don't think that the last time that happened is the last time because I think that's probably going to happen again because that team's not good, and it sounds like they're about to trade Jack Eichel. But, um, yeah, I mean, good for him. I have nothing against Robert Haig. Um, Butterberg Haig. Like, I would rather have him and a first and second than Rasmus Osterlein, if that makes him feel any better. Like, but, if you, you had know, to tell me that... bar is in the Earth's crust. It, I could bet my entire savings on if Buffalo was going to finish higher in the standings than Toronto this year, I would easily take that bet that Toronto would finish above Buffalo because, like, there's not a chance in hell this is going to continue. There's no way that Toronto has been as bad as they started. And Toronto's Buffalo's probably going to be good. fine. But the content when they're not is just too good. So. Oh, it's too good. We, we I ride, mean, right ride now, the wave, baby. Right now, Buffalo's 5-3-1, and, and Toronto is 5-4-1. and one. They're not actually that far apart. Just, but just numbers. I'm gonna, I can almost guarantee you that at the end of the season, Buffalo's point total is not going to be that much higher than it is currently, and Toronto's will be very high. Maybe not as high as some of the aforementioned models that have the Flyers at rock bottom have the Leafs. They always have the Leafs, like, number one by a great margin. Let's calm down a little bit. But the Leafs are a good team, and the Buffalo Sabres decidedly are not. And it was just a really weird Sammy moment here where... Was it though? It is, and it was it though? Well, it's not. It's not weird. But, <laughs> well, it's objectively weird, but not weird for him. Yeah. Yep. That, that's because what it's just like it's just like this. Like, well, let's really uh, pet you know Robert Haig on the back. Like, who gives a shit about Robert Haig? He was a third pairing defenseman on his best day. Didn't really play that many minutes. Like, and also, I 
oh my god, one of the phrases that drives me nuts in this world is salt of the earth guy. Like, just what a condescending fucking phrase that is. Get the hell out of here, Sammy. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. The, the note from Eamon here is, even as he's probably walking out the door into retirement, the Sean Bradley of Flyperbole just putting <laughs> out bangers. Oh, classic. We don't, we don't need to spend, I don't, we're not going to bring up the, the Bob McKenzie moment because we'll spend the next 20 minutes talking about it and we're already running long. No, I, I have um, to go to no, bed at some can't point. Can't do it. Yeah, we, we, my we, God, just we the way, do. the way the screenshot just kind of fades <laughs> off, like an Instagram filter in the old West. Oh. Four different fonts on the page. Oh, it's so, it, it is just majestic. I want to frame it and put it up in my house. Like it. When I, when I buy a house eventually and I make a full-fledged like recording studio in the basement there, I'm 100% going to take that screenshot and frame it and put it right behind me. So if I ever do like an interview on camera, you're going to see that tweet behind me. <laughs> the two flyers media moments that will always that will never not like make me start randomly giggling in public are that and the Randy Miller walking boot. Like just <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get a collage. It'll be that the Randy Miller walking boot. It's gonna be shit the beach and what's another guy? Just a Tim Panaccio. Just like I don't know something where he calls his wife CB or when he talks about <laughs> Barolo wine or Dr Pepper. <laughs> Uh, I wonder. Wonder how many people know what CB stands for. We can, we're not. We're not going to talk about that here, though. Um, yeah, there. There is a bad song that uses the same phrase as CB stands for from yeah. the new metal era. I don't. It's not a new metal song. I think it's like uh, like Buck Jerry or something. But yeah, okay. I, I, who cares? It's all bad music. <sighs> yeah. Sammy, thanks for the laughs. We're, you know, he's not off into the sunset yet but we are going to miss these magical moments when he's not on the Flyers beat anymore. Aren't we all? Uh, slamming Sammy. All right. Well, I, I'm not going to go too long on this, but I did want to mention the, the topic from last week is not going away anytime soon. And it should not go away because it is very mm-hmm. important to talk about. Kyle Beach's story is something that is needs to be addressed. And it change needs to happen in the league. And what I wanted to talk about today in regards to that is the person that would make change to the league. And that person is Gary Bettman. And this segment is called Gary Bettman Embarrassment. Gary Bettman is, I think, undoubtedly the worst commissioner of the four major sports. And they're all pretty bad right now. Like, well, David Silver's fine. But like, is it Adam Silver? Adam Silver. Okay, I'm going to... David Stern was the other one. You're right. I combine them. Adam Silver's fine, I guess, but like Manfred's terrible. Goodell's a joke. And Gary Bettman's an absolute clown. This man is terrible. He's been in charge of hockey for God knows how long at this point. Every fan hates him. No fan liked Gary Bettman. So Gary Bettman really could have had a moment, a great moment, where he came out and sincerely apologized on behalf of the league for what happened to Kyle Beach and those other young men that were abused by Brad Aldridge. And instead, Gary Bettman did not do that. He just had a, a just a absolutely horrific hour of talking and it just was not apologetic enough, not really apologetic at all. He didn't really want to admit any sort of fault. NHL took no action on Shevel Dayoff. They referred to him as a minor player in this. And I think 
one of the most embarrassing things that Bettman did was he didn't want to take questions from Rick Westhead, who is the reporter who really did a great bulk of the reporting on Aldrich and everything going down on that. And he really did everything he could to avoid this until the Pierre Lebrun called him out on it. To call this a masterclass in deflecting responsibility would be giving these people far too much credit because everyone watching could see what was going on. But it was, it that was their goal from the start. And like, look, they're getting sued. There is a, deep disappointing degree to which I get it but at the same time like it's they're, again they're getting sued but if you're going to if that's the mindset then just like I get that they had to come out there but you almost want to say just don't have the press conference like make a, make a press release like just if you're if you're going to duck responsibility like duck responsibility this gives them some cover while still just doing everything wrong and it's it was deeply disappointing to watch and hear in so many ways because like the league i want to believe that the league you know learned about this when we did obviously the chicago blackhawks covered this up for well over a decade um the people there have been punished probably not to a sufficient degree but at least you know the people there have been to a degree punished i want to believe that the league didn't learn about this until much later down the line but gary bettman's responses here were not remotely adequate for the situation. Um, you've got two of maybe the worst moments in the presser here. Um, that you, in in the uh, in the quotes here, um, the first one I I don't remember if these were both requests at questions. I know the second one was, but this um, when it was pointed out that um, to Gary Bettman that the Blackhawks were fined two million for um, for that for this you know for the covering up of the of Kyle Beach's assault. Um, the Arizona Coyotes lost a first-round draft pick over um, improper combine workouts, and the New Jersey Devils were fined $3 million for Ilya Kovalchuk's um, illegal contract. And Bettman's response was, uh, different context, different facts. Ugh. Which is, ugh, ugh it's, it's... It's a gross thing to say there. Really it's just bad. Like, and if anything, different context, different facts should go the other way, where they're getting fined more for the actual illegal act that happened the actual crime that happened the abuse that happened and instead it goes the other way where that's fine less than a salary cap violation who gives a shit about a salary cap violation compared to abuse and crimes oh well, my part God. Of, part of that is you know the nhl does as was pointed out in that poll in that call you say the nhl doesn't have a sexual misconduct policy and when asked about that i don't have the exact quote in front of me but gary bettman basically said you know, we don't need one because it will get handled properly. And clearly, as we have learned, there isn't a system in place to make sure it gets handled properly. Like the Chicago Blackhawks, as it was spelled out in the Jenner and Block report, had a, um, you know, had a policy that says any, you know, sexual misconduct activity, like any instances of sexual misconduct will be immediately reported and, you know, addressed and investigated. And that didn't happen. It, it no. didn't happen when it needed to, didn't happen for 11 years, um, you know, so clearly whatever non-system you have in place isn't working. 
No, it's not working at all. And to say that, oh, well, we don't need a policy. Well, no, the policy is in case shit happens. Nobody plans for something this egregious and awful to happen, but you have it in case shit happens because you have to be prepared, especially when you're an organization as large as the NHL is. It's it's just absurd that this is his response to that. He's just such a, a complete and total clown talking about this stuff. And it's no compassion at all. And you're right. They shouldn't have even had this press conference yeah. because... Yeah, the quote... The- the it's quote was, worse. yeah, the quote per um, Bruce Arthur here, transcribed it out, uh, we do have, from Bettman, we do have a dot, dot, dot policy. We don't tolerate it and we punch it as appropriate. I know there are policies in other leagues where they specify what the penalty is, but that's something that they frequently don't adhere to. We think you judge this on a case-by-case basis, which, and, you know, no. Like if if no. you if you allow people, I mean, if you allow them to, you know, arbitrarily decide, then you end up in situations like this where you know people can't agree, where you know they're able to, where people get penalties that pretty much everyone agrees aren't good enough, and like yeah, they basically they're saying like they're holding up the sign that says like dude trust me, which at this point we can't trust you, like they they have not earned the benefit of the doubt here from anyone. Absolutely not, and they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt from anybody. Ah, Jesus Christ. And then, okay, so this other quote here, Westhead said, I understand in your call with Kyle Beach's attorney on Saturday that you assured him that Kyle and his family would have counseling for as long as needed and because of this. And I wonder if right now you're publicly willing to make the same commitment to the boy who was abused by Brad Aldrich in 2013 and to his family, Bettman. I would have to know more about the circumstance. I am more focused because of the circumstances in front of us on what happened in the NHL environment. I certainly wouldn't roll it out. I certainly would need to know more information. Wow. So that is obviously infuriating in its own right. Um, because this only happened because um, be- that that second instance in Michigan in 2013 only happened because... Joel Quenville gave um, Brad Aldridge a positive review. Um, like it, if, if that doesn't, it's which I I cannot even. Oh my god! Like I I just it, it's it's a stunning thing that happened that Joel Quenville would give this guy a positive review after everything. After Joel Quenville also said, "Well, why don't we wait three weeks and let him hold the Stanley Cup before shit canning him?" Mm-hmm. And then they gave him the choice of walking away or getting investigated, which yeah. And I can't mind. find and I can't find the exact quote right now, and I apologize for that. I'll keep looking for it. But he's like Bettman said pretty early on in that conversation, like in that call, like we need to not just be like we need to not just set standards here for the NHL. We need to set them like across the hockey world, which like cool, like that's good. And then you know you shit on the idea before the call's even over, and you say he like, set the I standards, need, need... but they are rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 again, deeply upsetting, at, 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 to, to yeah, put it, it lightly. To put it lightly. And it's, it, you know, the best thing, there's only two good things the NHL have done, and they even screwed up one of those. And one of them was, they fi- or they didn't fire Joel Quenville, Joel Quenville got to quit, but he's out, which is good, but they waited too long. It, he, he shouldn't have gotten to coach that game. It's still an atrocity that he got to appear one more time behind an NHL bench and then not address the media. He got to walk out the back door like a coward. I, I still can't Absolutely embarrassing. But then really on top of that, so the, they did X Aldridge's name out on the Stanley Cup, and they actually literally X'd it out, which is 
pretty weird to see. I think that's the better way to do it, to let you know there is a scar on that cup, that something bad happened. But, like, personally, I feel like half that team, if not the entire team, should just be, like, erased entirely because they don't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, the thing with this kind of stuff always is, and it's true of, like, any sort of misconduct by a team. And, like, I remember this conversation initially happening in what was, you know, certainly in hindsight, a much less serious thing than this. But I remember when the Houston Astros cheating scandal from two years ago came out and people were like, what, and they were saying like, oh, they're going to get hit. They're going to get the book thrown at them. And like, they got whatever penalty it was. The penalty, like the overwhelming reaction was, that's not a good enough penalty to make sure you don't do it again in order to win. And when you think about, and I was thinking about that as I thought about, like seeing Brad Aldridge's name removed from the cup and seeing people say they should remove the whole team. Because like, if you scratch those other names off of the Stanley cup, even the people who like, even the people on there, cause you know, there are 52 names on there. I obviously many of them knew about this, but surely not all 52 of them knew about this. Sure. But if you like, if you scratch all those names off, like you make it clear that like, this is more important than winning. And like that is like that's the message that has to get through to these people. Like the only way that you prevent this is like you say, no, this is actually more important than winning a Stanley Cup. Because again, the thing that keeps coming up in that report from Joel, particularly from Joel Quenville, but from other people there, is like we don't want this to be a distraction. We're so close to winning the Stanley Cup, we know we can do it. We can't, you know, we can't lose this dude who's cutting video, or we can't distract the team, and like. It happened because they decided nothing was more important than winning. And if he, and if the NHL does this, they send a very clear message that is on the that is on the sports like ultimate icon that says, "Hey, this is more important than winning." And if you fuck up, and if you let this happen, we're gonna make sure that everyone who looks at this knows that you fucked up, so that you can't, so that they know not to do it, and that everyone right. who sees this knows that they can't do it. That's like that's the whole game here. You need to convince like. They're not going to like remove the Blackhawks from the record books. Like you can't, you know, you can't like Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless can't. Mind. Their, you can't Spotless Mind their memories out. Like it all happened. We all watched it happen. But and believe me, I would you, love to get rid of that memory from my life uh, as a Flyers yeah. fan. Like yep. not even like you know, I'd love to get rid of that memory as a Flyers fan. But like, and let me make one thing clear. Like, and no. And this is, you know, I think most people would assume this, but in no universe would I want this to mean like, oh, the Flyers won the cup instead, because like that would be a hollow gesture at best. Like it it would just be insane and stupid. It would be stupid, so nobody should suggest that. I just want to not that that you are saying this, but that is so. That is like obviously so far from the point here. It's so far from the goddamn point. It is so far from the point. But and we all know Chicago won it. Okay, Chicago won the cup that year. There is no denying that. But the Stanley Cup is the ultimate trophy in sports. And it is such an incredible honor in the hockey world to get your name on that cup. And to have the shame of having it X'd out, like I'm looking at the names on the, when I saw the Aldrich shot, uh, the photo of the Stanley Cup where they X'd it out. And, you know, I'm just sitting there going like, all those names should be right there with it. Like Jonathan Taves, as much as he might want to say he's not culpable for that, that man was the captain. And that team was harassing a guy that was sexually That's, abused. Oh my god. It's, it's so, so fucked it's, up. So Jonathan oh Taves god. to have his name as Jonathan Taves captain on the cup right under the line where Aldrich is X'd out, like mm-hmm. but 
you should be getting your name off there. Joel Quenville should be off there. There's a lot of names that should be off of that cup right now mm-hmm. because they are culpable for this. Yeah, and again, like there are people there that aren't, you know, there are people there that probably aren't, but when the when the people who are responsible for the team do, when the leaders do, when the leaders are responsible, like sometimes like their their mistakes sometimes have to reflect like their mistakes reflect on the whole team. Like that's that's part of being a leader. That's part of being a manager. That's what that's what happens when you fuck up and that's what happens when that's what what's happened that's what happens when you fuck up in any setting to say nothing of the you know obvious grave nature and seriousness of this particular fuck up um so yeah i mean it's good that he's gone but too many other people helped lead us to this path and that again if you if you were to cross every name on there out you you send a message you send a message that says like this is this is what matters here. And Absolutely. the league's not going to do that. The league's clearly not going to do that, but they should. Yeah, it's way more impactful if it's a whole series of names X'd out. It's like a big scar on the cup. It's this one little line where this one name is. Like, that's... You can easily miss that just looking up and down the cup. But if it's a bunch of them, that's an impact. That's something... That is a message. That's something that you cannot miss. You cannot ignore. Mm-hmm. Well said. Had a good quote, or if you you want to take the simmer quote here? Yeah, I'll take the simmer quote. So I was going to try and just kind of like put some highlights in here, but I feel like it might be faster if I just run through it real quick. So uh, this quote from Wayne Simmons earlier today via David Alter is really good. I think Wayne Simmons is just one of those great leaders in the game and just somebody that everybody should listen to when he speaks because he's just the man. He still is the man. First of all, I want to send my condolences to Kyle Beach. Everything that happened was heartbreaking. You know, I felt myself watching that interview. I started to tear up a little bit. I think the thing that got me was when they asked him to, about the 16-year-old and he apologized. And to me, he has nothing to apologize for. He was the one who was wronged. This is something that's systemic. I find in the NHL, when something happens bad, that guys are afraid to speak out because of the repercussions. And that's something that's definitely got to change. It's unacceptable. And within our dressing room, within a lot of other teams' dressing rooms, now the culture is kind of starting to change and starting to roll over, considering the fresh blood that's coming into the league. So as we, so we as players, I'm in lockstep with what Robin, Robin Lehner said last night. More players got to speak up. More players have to do their part. We don't want this to continue to happen. As we go down the line here, we have to make it better now for the guys that are coming in. After, after us, it's not about us anymore. It's about what happens to the young kids that are coming into the league now, and I feel that everyone must be held accountable. Whether it's the NHL, NHLPA, everyone has to be held accountable. There's no excuses. This can't be another fleeting moment where it's here and now and gone tomorrow. Very incredibly well said by Simmer. There's a couple more quotes from David Alter that you should go look up on his tweet, but... This is really just, this man is a leader. This man gets it. Him and Robin Lehner are people that do want to change this game, that have seen some shit. They have seen some shit, and they know shit has to change. You know, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are going to toe the company line and even go out of their way to praise the people that enabled this to happen. But people like Wayne Simmons and Robin Lehner want to speak up. They want to change things for the better, and they're people we should absolutely support. Yep. All said very well um, from you and from him. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, he as he said, it's hard to speak up. And, you know, that's not just true of the NHL. It's true in a lot of places. You know, it's hard for people to call it abuse of power. Uh, people call it abuse by people in power. But, you know, you, you clean up the house you live in. And I'm, I'm hopeful that these guys, if, you know, I'm hopeful that they're able to, you know, 
feel a little more empowered by what's happening around them now and can, you know, turn that into positive change for the league, for the, not just for the league, for the entire sport. And, um, you know, he brought up the NHLPA. He had some, Simmer had some other quotes about the NHLPA, um, whether I think he was the one who like was asked if there's confidence in Don, like some wavering confidence in Donald Fair. And he's said, and he basically said yes, which there should be. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why there's an NHLPA if this kind of thing is held under wraps for 11 years when he reported at the time. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what'll happen from here, but you know, we need, you know, Wayne Simmons is a strong willed guy. He's, smart guy he's not and he's not someone who's going to take any of this sitting down never has been never will be and you know that's that's why we loved him that's why we loved him that and because he was good but especially but particularly like he's he's just you know you're proud to have that guy in your corner you're proud to have that guy he's not shy he is you know he's a guy who will speak his mind and he speaks it well like he's just he's the man wayne simmons the man no question all right folks well Quite a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. One note before we wrap things up, we are giving out tickets to the upcoming Tocket versus Holmgren Dawn of Bullies alumni game. It's just the alumni game, and they're doing Team Tocket and Team Holmgren, but I decided to add in a little Batman v Superman flair. But regardless, we're giving away tickets. It's exciting. I love having a giveaway on this site. So I am going to give away... A pair of tickets to this alumni game to the first person to at the Fly Purbly account. Not a DM, I want an at, so it's nice and public so nobody can dispute who was the first. First person to at the Fly Purbly Twitter and let us know what day of the year our friend the rat first appeared wins the tickets. Okay, so the logo <laughs> Fly Purbly is our friend the rat. What, what an incredible poll. <laughs> Our friend the rat is the logo fly burbly. Our friend the rat first appeared on a very specific day of the year. I want to know what day that is. You can give me the date. You can give me the name of the day. If you get what I mean, one of those will do it at the fly burbly account and enjoy the game. Looking forward to it. All right, mm-hmm. folks. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com. You can reach Kurt at, well, Kurt, where, where, where can people reach you? Um, I am on Twitter.com at Kurt underscore BSH. I haven't been tweeting that much from the account, my account lately, because usually during games, I've mostly been on the Broad Street Hockey account. So um, all the all the low energy tweets there, uh, those are mine. <laughs> One thing I did really quickly want to say didn't really fit elsewhere in the, um, elsewhere in the pod, but a quick congratulations to um in in good hockey news a quick congratulations to a Kelsey Colzer who is or who yesterday made history as the um or not not yesterday this past weekend made history as the first uh, as the first black woman and I believe the first black head coach in NCAA hockey history right at Arcadia University just uh just you know just outside of the city of Philadelphia oh wow so yeah a uh, really really cool moment for her really cool good moment for hockey in general you know the you know the more diverse we can make a sport like this the better so um congratulations to her that's I fantastic and i almost diversity, mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say the diversity issue is such a, a big issue in hockey and wherever we can find diversity please like, let's get it and congratulations to her that's fantastic news yep yep i saw that earlier and it's like hey we you know good news good news in the hockey world for once for once 
but yeah, otherwise, you know, we're just, you know, plowing through these games this week. We'll see. I'm still, I'm trying to think of some things to put together from here. I'm, I'm in a, stuck in a state of writer's block. If anyone has ideas for things they want to see me write about, please, please send them to me. But, um, all in all, I'm, you know, I'm stuck. But, you know, this, this, this team's given us ideas. It's, it's been an interesting year so far. I'll, I'll, I'll get off the, I'll get off the schneid soon. Well, you got plenty of stuff. Come on. You got plenty of stuff to write about. Come on. This team's very (laughs) interesting. No, uh, Kurt, you're a busy man. You got, you got a lot on your plate right now. You got all that editing (laughs) to do and you got all those posts to manage. You got lots of stuff going on. All those posts. That's sweet, sweet, tangy, tangy. Tangy, tangy, tangy. We're all still, still waiting with, um, bated breath for a Jack Eichel trade, so. It's not happened yet. I was really hoping it would happen mid-show, but sadly, you know, now that Matthew Kachuk, the sound of a a trade not happening, Kachuk. <laughs> now that he's off the table, it just I guess it's mm-hmm. all stalled again. Poor Jack Eichel's never going to get that neck fixed. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Follow Kurt. Follow me at Flyperbole or at Esteban. But if it's for hockey, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey, where Kurt often tweets about the hockey games. It's either him or Hankel. Both do great work, though. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's become a fun game lately to tweet things that make people think I'm Hinkle, And then someone tweets at the account saying, Hinkle, why are you saying this? And then, and then I laugh a lot. <laughs> it's fun being behind the scenes on that. I don't one. remember how it started. The first time, it I, I don't remember how I first got people to think it was her when it was me, but now, now that's a fun game. See if someone can do that every day. Um, Kelly, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I, I, I deserve all the mean things. But, yeah. We're, we're, right, we're still, well, we've, we've managed to have fun. We've managed to have fun this year. Hopefully that continues. We always have fun over here. We, we find a way to have fun, even in the most miserable seasons. It's a, mm-hmm. BSH is a good time. So follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, and listen to all the great podcasts. And it's getting late, so it's time to go. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.